0: Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our Senior Minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast. Hello, this is Rachel Lyman. And during this month's Interfaith Connection podcast, We'll be exploring one of the oldest religions in the world, the Zoroastrian faith tradition. Our guest today is Greg Vaughn. Greg is a longtime member of Spiritual Life Center, which I'm going to call SLC, and he he calls himself a historian. So that's his passion, and for many years was head of the Historical Society of Sacramento. And Greg is a volunteer person. most of his life, he has been. For over 20 years, he volunteered at the Vendata Society of Sacramento, taking care of the grounds around the Guru Nanak statue, which is part of their Garden of Saints area. And we just did a tour there. So some of you may, listeners may know about that. At SLC, he coordinated a feeding of the homeless program at Pioneer Congregation Church for seven years. And since its inception over 18 years ago, Greg has been an active member of SLC's Men of Spirit group. And recently, he gave a presentation to that group on the history of the Zoroastrian religion. Also, Greg is the author of the best selling book, True Gold History and Adventure in Northern California. He's been quoted in the New York Times and in Time, Youth, and Via Magazines. And also he's lectured at, in Berkeley, the University of San Francisco, and the University of California, Davis, on social history. And Greg says when he's not living in the past, <laughs> which is kind of cute for a historian there, he rides mountain bikes through the Sierra foothills. So welcome, Greg, it's so great to have you here today.
1: Thanks, Rachel, I'm really glad to be here.
0: So I'd like to start, you know, when we have a guest to find out what sparked your interest uh, exploring the history of the Zoroastrian faith tradition. And I also want to ask you, are you a practicing member of the Zoroastrian faith?
1: No, I I am uh, not. I'm a person who studies spirituality. My own spirituality is a combination of a lot of things. Um, and tries to stay away from categories and words as much as possible. So it is, though, important that we understand where our spiritual beliefs come from. Uh, the idea of Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Zoroaster, they really all need to have quotes around those names because they represent faith traditions that are bigger than any one person. Certainly, there were great leaders who were individual people, but over the years, that faith got added to and interpreted. So what I'm looking at is what was the net effect of, and today we're going to talk about Zoroaster. What was the net effect of Zoroaster on the spiritual world? What do what we got that we still have that comes from his era?
0: Well, I think that's important in in all the, the studies and explorations we've done on the various faiths. I want to know how they're all connected too. Yeah. Uh, what, what you know and how they influence one another, because it's amazing when you do study the faith, <laughs> uh, uh the similarities you find and the almost the same stories written in holy scriptures that are totally different. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty interesting. So. Uh, Greg, tell me, um, um, how old do you think the the Zoroastrian faith is and where, where did it originate and how did it spread?
1: All right. So I don't have to guess because we can date it by the language it's written in. So it's one of the oldest texts we've got. We actually speak a European language and... The original language that Zoroaster spoke in was a Proto-European language called P-I-E. It's called Old Avastin. And you might have noticed you can tell how old somebody is by the words they use. If somebody says, hey, that's cool and groovy, man, that kind of dates them from the 60s. And right now we've got Gen Gen Z taking over from the millennials. Uh, And they talk somewhat differently than we old baby boomers talk. So we can date uh, texts to within a few years. We're really good at that now. And Zoroaster, the guy we call Zoroaster, is 5,000 years old. In other words, he was as old to the Greeks And Plato and Aristotle looked up to him so much that they named him for a star. Uh, He was as old to the Greeks as Jesus is to us. He was as far away from Plato and Aristotle as we are from Jesus, thousands of years. Uh, And his real name was Zarathustra, Uh, but he got renamed by the Greeks uh, for a star for for their idea of an eternal star somebody whose beliefs were so pure that they shone like the north star and influenced everybody and that is Zoroaster. aster means star. So he's that's eternal true. star.
0: So that's fascinating. yeah uh, and I had that question down further but you've just answered it beautifully um and and uh I want to tell the, our listeners that, um, I found out that you gave a presentation to the Men of Spirit group um, at SLC uh, uh, through an advertisement on our SLC's website, and I went, "Wow, that's a, that's a faith tradition I know very little about, and yeah. I, I wanted to uh, explore that." And here's Greg that wrote a that uh, you wrote a beautiful uh, paper uh, yeah. uh, uh, on it. And um, so in that paper, I got to read it, and Uh uh, in that paper, you talked about oral history. And what I want to know is how how does a a lot of us, you know, older folks know about oral history, but tell us about oral history in relation to the Zoroastrian faith, and how did it also influence other religions?
1: Well, if you want to get back to the truth about the past, you have to accept some sources that aren't all written down and footnoted by historians because they weren't there. They don't know the whole truth. So you're looking for people maybe who didn't even know how to write. Up until the time of the Civil War, half the people in America couldn't read. Uh, So writing is something that came fairly recently. So we look back at the kind of words people use to tell how long ago they were talking. And we will be interested in something that was passed down from father to son. You had to, if you were say a Hindu, memorize the Rig Veda, the oldest part of the Hindu written tradition, word for word. Your son had to be able to say it word for word because that's the way it got passed down. And it was very important that it be remembered exactly the way it was said. So, actually, we historians have come to the conclusion that a lot of times this oral tradition is just as accurate as a written source, which, after all, can be written by somebody with a grudge um, or an axe to grind. So, we now Privilege oral tradition, especially when it's backed up by more than one source. So we know a lot about this almost impossibly ancient person called Zarathustra, which the guy the Greeks called Zaraster. Uh, and uh, we know what he said. We knew. We know how he viewed the world, and he was a real person lived a fairly happy life, he had hard times, uh, and complained to God, In it's in his writing, about how hungry his people were, and couldn't at least God, if he wouldn't treat him like a son, could he at least treat him like a brother, and share some food for the, his people to eat, but he did eventually become popular with the rulers back then, and lived a happy life, died when he was 77, when a priest stabbed him in the back. So.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the questions I was gonna ask you because when we talked earlier, you mentioned that sometimes the stories written about prophets and the stories written about various faith traditions that are actually written down uh, are kind of, um, Enhanced. <laughs> well, every, and yet Zora, you're the stories about Zoroaster were pretty honest and uh, uh upfront.
1: Well, when when you get a, a, a prophet, and Jesus does this too, who is talking about something that doesn't help, that 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 is something sad that happened, that tends to make it seem more real because obviously people who are building up a religion, don't want to put anything negative down. So if you've got something that's a little bit sad, a little bit negative, you may well be listening to the original voice of the prophet. Uh, And, and certainly, Zoroaster had tough times and was not afraid to talk about them. Uh, He then, uh, after living this fairly happy life, uh, he died and and was remembered by a lot of people. And then thousands of years later, the Persian empire, the most powerful empire in the world, more powerful than the Romans, they ruled the whole world. uh, And they chose as their religion, something they called Zoroasterism. So the original Zoroaster probably would have been embarrassed. Um, but <laughs> and,
0: uh, probably Jesus Christ would have been embarrassed by some of the things that came out after that. After oh, that I, after that.
1: I, um, am quite sure of it. Uh, but anyway, there's a connection between Christianity and Zoroasterism, and I can get to that whenever you're ready, but I'm going to let you ask questions.
0: Well, um, I've, uh, just landed in a spaceship. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Me <laughs> I'm too. A, a
0: little, <laughs> I'm a little green character, five foot three.
1: Yeah. And,
0: uh, and I'm curious about everything. So uh, someone was started, and I heard you talking about this faith tradition, Zoroastrianism. Yeah. I was going to try to just do Z's, but that probably isn't very uh, proper. So, anyway, my so what is, can you tell us what a basic truth of this faith tradition is. There's there's a word called cosmology. I looked up, you know, Wikipedia and um, cosmology is uh, described as the science of the origin and development of the universe. And in that uh, Wikipedia uh, statement, they say that the Zoroastrian faith is described as a dualistic cosmology of good and evil. Can you tell us what the heck that means and um, uh, what and for people who practice that faith what would be their ultimate goal uh with that particular basic truth
1: well it's actually pretty cool because in Zoroastrianism, there isn't just a powerful good guy defeating an evil satan there's the people and There is a good God and there is a bad God. And the bad God is negative, evil, angry, and the good God is kind, patient, and and loving. And the only way the good God can possibly win is if people jump in on his side. In other words, this is something that could turn out really badly but people have the ability if they're willing to stand up to create a better world. And that's it in a nutshell. Uh, Every religion has two problems. One is called the theocracy problem where they have to face the fact that if their God is good and their God is all powerful, then why is there evil in the world? Uh, And different religions do that in different ways. Buddhism says it's created by you and you have to learn to to think, meditate your way out of it to not fall into the uh, trap of of despair. Christianity says there's a Satan and God is fighting the Satan uh, and, And that's pretty close to what Zoroaster says, too. There's a good God named Mazda. Remember the car, Mazda cars? Yes. They're named for the God of Zoroaster. So Mazda was the light of the world. Mazda was the name of the first light bulbs, actually, were called Mazda bulbs because something everybody knew that was light goodness in the world uh, so that the Zoroastrians have to take action to help the good God, the light of the world win. Uh, Then the other problem all religions have is balancing the goodness of their faith with congregation building. You have to have something special about you so the people will keep going to services and paying pay dues. You're not a religion unless you're a successful business. Uh, and for the Zoroastrian guys, that unfortunately became the Persian empire. They were the official state religion. They could make people worship them. And Zoroaster himself would have been embarrassed by that because he was all about free will. People had to choose to jump in and fight on the side of Mazda, the good god, to defeat the bad god. Uh, And and if you were in the Persian empire, you didn't have a choice. You were either what they called a Zoroastrian or you were dead. Uh, So, so there's a connection between Christianity and Zoroastrianism, but I'm now going to let you ask the next question.
0: Yeah, I, well, I I had a thought. Like, are you talking five thousand years old or twenty twenty two? Because there, I mean, we're, we're thinking about uh, churches that uh, are really focus on the business part. Sure. And they, they get away from, uh, sometimes they get away from the uh, helping their people grow spiritually and and do what, you know, yeah. we're supposed to do. So, like, I don't think things have changed a lot,
1: Greg. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all the like, same. <laughs> and, and look, as a historian, I'm realistic. I don't have any problem with churches being businesses. They have to pay for the congregation. They have to have pews and seats and places to meet and and be able to support the cost of ministers if they need professional
0: programs, yeah. yeah,
1: My dad was a wonderful Christian minister, and he had a beautiful big stone church, part of which he built himself. And I'm very proud of that. And I don't have any problem with churches yeah in businesses they need to be but they also need to emphasize spiritual lessons and leave the door open for people to get more inclusive not less inclusive because the problem with congregation building is you tend to say what's good about you and bad about other people instead of saying what's good about everybody
0: right and i i I think about my uh, Reverend Michael Moran and Faith Moran, who started Spiritual Life Center, yep. which is a Unity Church. For those of you listening and don't know, which has been around since the 1800s, uh, Faith said, "If we start this church, I want, I want to honor all all faiths that uh, uh, that honor love. You know, there are some uh, things out there that are on the evil side of stuff." But um, yeah, so I think that they really opened the doors to inclusiveness, um, and, um, and 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 was I was talking to Dave the other day, and I I didn't come to SLC till two thousand five, but he's been there a lot longer, and you probably have too. But um, he said, and when we were having two services at Pioneer Congregational Church, we had close to. Uh, 700 people show up uh, <laughs> in two services. Uh, that's so, when
1: joined, yeah.
0: And that was um, all all face, all uh, sexual orientations, everything, you know. So everyone felt that openness and that welcomeness. And you're right. That's, that's, I believe, too, that, you know, the churches do have to operate, you know. But they also have to keep that openness as well.
1: Well, and you and Dave, if I could just put in a little good, nice, good word for you guys, you have kept that open faith tradition going. So thank you so much. It's yeah. been a beautiful ministry that you guys have done.
0: Well, thank you. We, uh, yeah, I I love learning, and um, when I my favorite thing is is doing the field trips because we get to go out and actually experience and talk to people who are. Uh, practicing a faith. So yeah. uh, anyway, so um, my next question is, um, is um, Zoroastrianism a monotheistic faith which worships one God or several gods? Um, you sort of talked about God having two sides, but um, would you consider them monotheistic? Uh,
1: uh, I... Uh... Or I, I mean, is Christianity monotheistic? It's got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That sounds like three to yeah. me. Uh, so I think that's how you define the term. Uh, the tra- a traditional Zoroastrian would not think of the gods, the good one and the bad one, as parallel. It's the good one is is potentially all-powerful, but only if people can let it into their heart. Uh, So I would say Zoroastrianism is monotheistic, and I would say Christianity is monotheistic, despite the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's kind of leftover scholasticism that we inherited from even before the Greeks. I have been studying some for me, more recent uh, ancient oral tradition, the gospel of Aradia. And Aradia is the daughter of Diana, the god in in the Roman tradition. And she gets sent down to earth to help save mankind. It's parallel to Christianity, and it's certainly as old, and it existed, still exists in oral tradition in Italy. So you can have true messages uh, that are really important. And the Zoroastrians tried to pass along, despite the fact that the worst thing that could happen to you is to be made the state religion of a powerful and aggressive empire. But within that, they did what they could to keep alive the true Faith of kindness and cooperation. There
0: we go. So, um, what do uh, Zoroastrians believe about science in relation to the creation of the universe, and and how did they, how how are they were they supposed to treat their environment? How did they look at the environment?
1: Well, they are so particular in their ancient in some of their ancient forms that they don't bury people, they leave them exposed so that birds and animals can eat them. Uh, They uh, have a fire, I don't like to think of them as fire worshipers, but they have fire as sort of a central symbol uh, because as was said by another great religious leader, it's, may seem like it has separate flames at the top, but at the bottom, it's all one force. So like God, like gods, everything boils down to a central source of warmth and and, and evolution. Uh, so do they meditate? Yeah. Do they have churches? Yeah. Not many. It's gone from the biggest religion in the world to the smallest religion in the world. But there's still a few of them left in Persia in Iran and a few of them in India. And there's even a a small church in Sacramento.
0: Yes, uh, out at the Mather uh, complex, and I plan to visit that. Mm. Um, uh, If you go on, uh, just type in Zoroastrianism in Sacramento, there, there is a Zoroastrian uh, center of Sacramento, it's called.
1: Yeah, which shows you the power of spiritual tradition, because that's not even the name of their god. Their leader was named Zarathustra, but they've adopted the, the Greek word because it became so popular all over the world. What could be better than to be the North Star? To have your leader be named for uh, a star that's
0: wonderful and that will never go away (laughs) Never. so uh do Zoroastrians have free will uh and if so how are they expected to uh uh well they believe in good and evil so you said they're they're supposed to be working towards good
1: well uh, it's not it's not just it's not just like following the Ten Commandments they think there's a war going on. Uh, And it's imperative that the people of the book, the people who believe in that spiritual tradition, actively get involved. So that would mean if you think the government is wrong, you should work to change it. You don't have a choice to sit back and wait for God to save you. You're responsible. You're it. You're God. It's only you, with the help of this Mazda overwhelming goodness source, Uh, it's only you that can save the day.
0: And that sounds very unity, actually. The last ten- fifth tenet of the unity church is that you don't just sit around and talk about it. You have to put it into action. Yep. So, So what about Women in uh, this faith tradition are they equal to men? Um, and I understand well their God is is sort of a called both a man and a woman.
1: Can yeah, you- the, their word for their God it has both a feminine and a masculine part to it. Um, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Anything that's five thousand years old inherits five thousand year old traditions of male oppression. So most of their priests have traditionally been men. That's starting to change now, but uh, that has been true of all religions because it's not like religions are from outer space. They're human institutions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're doing the best we can to interpret our spiritual traditions, and they all kind of boil down to do to others as you would have others do unto you. That's something everybody can understand.
0: So uh, are there, uh, is there a holy book or scriptures that the people tons, will uh, look at?
1: Tens of them, yes. Uh, again, anything that's 5,000 years old has had plenty of time to accrete, gather together lots of literary sources. And because it came from a pre-literate time, in other words, when rich people didn't know how to read, they would take their smartest son and make him memorize word for word, even if he didn't know what the words meant. That's the funny thing. We have text from this period, and it's not just Zoroastrian. The Hindus, everybody talks about the wonderful spirituality of Buddhism and Hinduism. They go way back to the Rig Veda uh, that was written about the same time as the Zoroastrian text, and it has horrible things in it. If if anybody who's not a Brahmin learns the Rig Veda, the Brahmins are supposed to pour molten lead in their ears. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a real Christian-y kind of thing. Um, So it's not all... Thich Nhat Hanh and, and <laughs> Oming, these religions grew up at a time when people had a hard time catching it, but they did. They caught the important things. And Zoroaster is with us always. And the proof, I'm ready to tell my story whenever you're ready for me to do okay. it.
0: Okay. Um, who wrote those, these scriptures and
1: books? Well, were well, you there five thousand years ago? I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't know think me. anybody.
0: I, I may look five thousand years old, but hopefully yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I'm still. I'm feeling like, that.
1: I'm feeling sort of in that way. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't know. Uh, but before I get to you know, that. There, you... there are people like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in in the New Testament. They weren't written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were put together by people. Uh, Paul actually was the author of a lot of stuff, but not everything that's assigned to Paul was really written by Paul. And uh, you often get in the middle of a faith tradition, something that's clearly contradictory. Like Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And then this other person who's labeled Jesus says, you cannot be saved unless you come forth in my name and my name only, and I, you will be smited dead if you use any other thing. That's not the same guy. That's Nobody's so stupid that they believe the kingdom of heaven is within them, and then they believe they'll kill anybody who doesn't get the words right. That's not wow. the same person.
0: Unfortunately so, people so have taken other people things out of context say, from the
1: oh, I, Mark Twain everybody loves Mark Twain and there are so many stories that Mark Twain told that he never even heard because it gives it more power if you assign it to somebody popular so Jesus Buddha Muhammad they all got assigned to say things that they never would have said Uh, And so we're left with what do we got that we can still hold dear to our hearts from 5,000 years ago, the time of Zoroaster? Well, one of the things we got is it's up to us. There is no sitting on the sidelines. If you want to be spiritual, then get active. Um, You know, let your faith move your feet because it's only if we work together that we have a chance of having the good part win. Uh, and then the other one is realize the traditions that you've got such proud traditions. And that would go back to baby Jesus in the manger, surrounded by the poor people, which would be the shepherds uh, and and the, the literally cows and sheep it's such a humble, humble begetting, but then something very unhumble happens, and that is the three kings show up, okay, okay, three rich guys.
0: I'm going to ask you now, this is the big question of this yeah. particular interview, uh, because uh, we found a uh, an image of the three kings coming to the the manger, and that's going to be the advertisement for this podcast. Cool. Because of what you told me. Yeah. So, the question for you, Greg, and the, our listeners will be very surprised to hear this answer. Uh, in your presentation paper, you tell the story of the three wise men called Magi visiting the baby Jesus. Who were the three wise men? What does the word Magi mean? And what is the significance of the three gifts they offered Jesus the gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christian faith? That's Um, a lot to answer, but I know you will answer. Well,
1: this is a handoff from the most powerful religion in the world to a wobbly new religion that was beginning to gain people. And if you were a, a Jew or a Greek, who was confronted with this new little religion that believed in love and forgiveness, Christianity, how would you ever think that that could be powerful enough to protect you? Well, maybe you heard the story about the three Kings, because it's nice that Jesus got visited by shepherds, poor people, but what about rich people? So these three kings, all of whom have names in oral tradition, uh, came. Usually shown with camels, and certainly they would have had servants. They were rich people, and they brought Jesus three gifts: gold, because that's what you give a king; frankincense, because that's what you need to burn on the altar to have church services. And the kind of scary one is myrrh. Myrrh is used for anointing the dead. And it's almost like letting Jesus know early on that he may not have that many years before he's dead. But they were confronting death. They were confronting life and death by bringing these gifts. and. They were exactly Zoroaster visiting Jesus because the three wise men are clearly referred to in the Bible as Magi. And Magi only means one thing in antiquity it means priests of Zoroaster. So these three priests of Zoroaster from the mysterious East, the same place that Buddha comes from, the same place that Hindus come from. These three mysterious rich travelers bring Jesus the three gifts of life and death uh, and kind of turn it over to him. And, And a clue that we have about just how important they were is their name, Magi. That's where the word magic comes from. The Greeks believed that Zoroaster knew everything. And so his priests were magic. Uh, uh, and in a way, we still believe that. We give extra credit to the Dalai Lama and Thich Han. People from the East are supposed to be spiritual. Uh, well, here's the people, the rich people from the East showing up with gifts for this little baby Jesus. Uh, the,
0: I wanted to tell you, too, we've decided on a title. For this podcast and it's going to be Zoroastrianism the foretelling of Christianity oh that's cool yeah
1: yeah and yeah. I thought well
0: cool. that makes sense and I but that's gonna uh make people perk up and go what
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what
0: does that mean yeah I'll you know, listen to this one you
1: know <laughs> well to the extent that Christianity is a Greek religion then the fact that the Greeks looked up to uh, up to Zoroaster ties it all together. Okay. And, and certainly Christianity has good God and evil Satan in uh-huh. the same way that the Zoroastrians have their good God that needs our help.
0: Okay, well, I, I want to go back a little bit, but we... um Uh, in June, we had a a panel of three, four women. I was one of them and representing different faith traditions, the Hindu, Baha'i, Islam, and I represented various aspects of the Christian faith. And so we, uh, Dave was a moderator and we looked at different aspects of a faith tradition, meditation, praying, fasting, and um, we, we already talked about the role of women. So what um, what can you tell us about the Zoroastrian faith? If you know anything about whether they meditate and they pray, do they fa- have a fasting period?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I we don't I, I know, <laughs> know what, what they taught, not because that changes over time. I mean, Zoroastrian okay. guys now get dressed up like ice cream men in white suits. That was not happening back during the time 5,000 years ago. That's tradition that gets, we say in history, it gets accreted. It gets added over the years because somebody goes, hey, a cool thing we could do that the other religions aren't doing is dress up like ice cream men. Well,
0: I I saw that on the fire.
1: You know, but (laughs) but that wasn't central to what Zoroaster taught.
0: Yeah, and I talked about um, a symbol too, because if you type in Zoroastrianism, you're going to see this this person in in the middle of a big wing like thing. Yeah, and uh, you said you didn't really think that was uh, their
1: true symbol. Well, it's suspiciously Persian, so oh, okay. So it's as if the Christian religion were taken over by Hitler. He could use the forms, but he didn't have the spirit. Uh, and and so this empire takes over this polite, sweet little religion and starts to give it big symbols of scary people with wings. Again, I'm not interested. That's just BS. Um, and I just,
0: I went, we're... Sort of approaching our our end here, but I wanted to say that in your paper you wrote, I I found it fascinating um, that you uh, put down a section where you took one word to describe uh, uh, various faith traditions. Uh, If you don't have that in front of you, can I just read it to you?
1: Would you? Thank you.
0: Yeah, you have any comments on it? Uh, a word representing Jewish faith is law. Christianity, forgiveness, Islam, obedience, Buddhism, right, li- livelihood, I guess it is. I put light, liveliness, but that's- <laughs> I did, they, I did.
1: They would like that too. Yeah. Live- and then
0: you corrected me when we talked it earlier <laughs> and I forgot to yeah. correct this. And Hinduism, karma, and Zoroastrianism, justice.
1: Right. That's a big deal. Because you got either work for justice or you're not a Zoroastrian.
0: So if people listening with, have lots of questions that, you know, we don't have time to answer, I didn't ask. Yeah. And they contact you on your email?
1: Sure. Be glad to. Gvelm at gmail.com.
0: G-V-O-E-L-M at gmail.com. That's Yeah. Bad. Yeah. I home at gmail.com. And uh, also, would you be willing to, uh, you know, i will just asked this question, if they want a copy of your paper, would you be willing to email that to them too? Or do sure, you
1: do that? I'd be glad to. All they got to do is email me and I will em back eventually.
0: Okay. So this has been fascinating. I, I love talking to you because you've just opened my eyes on a lot of different things. And I love the fact that, and I talked earlier about I, I want to see, you know, in, in, in school, you have to, uh, everything's compartmentalized. You'd learn about math and biology and history, but nothing seems to fit together. And I, in my our exploration of interfaith, I like to see how things are fit together. And this has been really eye-opening for me yeah, and uh, for a lot of people. In fact, I was talking to um, some other Christian people. And their eyes got wider when I was talking about this. So they want to listen to the podcast.
1: So Good. Good. Well, a, I, I'm glad to be here and very proud to work with you and Dave on gardening in the Vedanta Society. Oh,
0: yeah, that's fun. So in closing, uh, Greg, do you have a summary statement or something we'd like to leave uh, with uh, our listeners about the Zoroastrian faith?
1: Uh, if you want peace, work for justice.
0: There you go. Get out there and do something, that's right. Yeah. And there's plenty, I, I did wanna say there's plenty to do. Uh, the world of today is the world of 5,000 years ago. I mean, we still have our, our challenges. Uh, everything is because of electronics more in our face. So we know about things instantaneously now. And certainly there are a lot of, a lot of areas that we can do good in.
1: We We, do- we, we have the power. It's up to us to decide where to put our spirits and, and good spirits bring good results. It's it's a, a, a guarantee, you know, that little bit of gardening we do at the Vedanta Society makes us stronger, not more tired.
0: Well, that too. And also connecting, we've connected a lot with uh, the Vedanta Society in the last few years. Yeah. And uh, I took groups over there several years ago and the Swami has always been so gracious and welcoming uh, you know and and the grounds are open. Um, you know and we're we're going to go over there August 11th folks, if you're listening to do a little cleanup around the Krishna area because they're having a, a puja ceremony uh, August 20th for Krishna's birthday. And it's a beautiful ceremony. I, I came last year. It was smoky as all get out. And I, I almost <laughs> needed lung lung things to breathe because of all the smoke in the air. But yeah. hopefully it'll be clean this year.
1: Well, it's um, it It's a spiritual place and it shows how everything works together.
0: It does. And so um, uh, all of this will be in our newsletter, too, to information on this. So on behalf of Interfaith Explorers, that's Rev Dave and me, that's us, two of us, uh, and, and all of our people who have shown up to participate and listen and read about things. We thank you so much for being uh, with us today. It's been very enlightening and, and, and learning about this amazing Zoroastrian faith. So, well, uh,
1: my, so my, my heart is strengthened by the kind of work you do. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. So we thank our listeners today. Uh, Please join us next month as we continue our journey of interfaith exploration. And in the meantime, keep like uh, Greg said, get out there and keep building those bridges of understanding and goodness. So namaste. Thank you so much.
1: Happy trails. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the fourth Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we wanna know about your interfaith heart. As I close, let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, a peaceful exploration of all faith is our sacred duty. Namaste.